Combo Nation, what up, what up, what up everyone? Welcome to episode 131, that's right, episode 131 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. Go rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button right on your Apple Podcast app or wherever you listen to Combo's Court. Share this episode with a friend. Today's show, Brian Orger joins in. Brian spent seven years working in the NBA as a head video coordinator and a regional advanced scout. Had a great conversation with Brian, and I'm glad you guys will be able to listen in. You could follow Brian on Twitter at ScoutWithBrian. That's S-E-O-U-T-W-I-T-H-B-R-Y-A-N. You know you could follow me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Luca on the track. former NBA scout. How are you feeling today, Brian? I'm doing good, Andrew. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So in the NBA, there's many different kinds of scouts. Can you speak to your role when you were with the Wizards? Yeah, with the Wizards, I was the uh, the head video coordinator for four seasons, um, which I tell people is almost like an assistant to the, the coaches. Um, you're in all the coaches meetings, kind of in charge of the, uh, the game planning side and the video uh, scouting reports. Uh, and then for one season after that, I also uh, did some regional advanced scouting for the Hawks and the Raptors. So in that role, you're pretty much just, uh, you know, watching teams that they're about to play and, and stealing the uh, the play calls. So if, say, they were going to play the Nets, I would just go and watch Kenny Atkinson all game and just uh, try to get the uh, the play calls. So nothing too complicated there. Right. Advanced scouting sounds like a demanding life. Um, was that one of the reasons you shifted from scouting to media? Yeah, I mean, it was really just everything. Just the, uh, you know, if you want to work full-time in, in basketball and really work for a team, you know, like I did with the Wizards for, for four seasons, you're traveling with them every trip, you're on the road, um, you know, you're working 7 a.m. to midnight almost every single day. Right. Uh, so it, it's an incredible grind, and it's, uh, you know, it's it's something I love doing and, and was um, – you know, something, especially when you're younger, I think you can afford to do more. But as you get older and start thinking about family and, and things like that, it's uh, it's hard, especially when, you know, coaches get fired every couple of years and you've got to pick up and move your family around the around the whole country. And I kind of just decided that that wasn't the lifestyle um, that I wanted long term. Right. Now you could reach a lot more people in, in, in some ways. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I found the uh, yeah. Media side's been interesting yeah. so far. You know, it's been uh been up and down but for the most part i've i found a, a pretty good reception i think and I, I think i found the right kind of uh you know group of people who seem to understand my insights and my perspective and you know i, I really do think there's a a market for you know for coverage from somebody who's who's been there and who really understands the the x's and o's and you know sees things kind of from more of a coach's perspective so in today's kind of hot take clickbait media I've, I've tried to be a little little counter to that and uh yeah it's starting to build up a nice little following most definitely most definitely um so i've heard you speak to john wall's game as genius and i couldn't agree more uh the way he reads pick and roll on the offensive side and just 
just everything about his game. I always I always thought about John Wall as the guy who has elite athleticism and elite IQ. And um, can you elaborate on John Wall's genius? Oh yeah, I mean he was he's an absolute basketball savant. He uh, I'm not sure he sleeps. He, he watches. WNBA, high school ball, college ball, you know, he'll know like every single college basketball player in the country, every single uh, WNBA player, you know, he really knows absolutely everyone. He can break down their game for you. He knows every single play call in the league. Um, you know, we, we would have things like, I'll give you an example where a coach would talk about, oh, hey, John, you know, I was I was watching your game from five months ago against the Raptors and and you hit that layup and John will cut the coach off and say, Oh yeah. The one on the left side against Valanciunas where I did the up and under, he just has kind of one of those beautiful mind, uh, Sean McVay type, uh, memories and recalls. And yeah, he was, uh, you know, I, I tell people he was the best competitor I've ever been around. He just had a, you know, unbelievable, uh, competitive streak in mm-hmm. every single game where he just would, you know, push himself and others, mm-hmm really really hard um you know on top of that was was a a really good guy really good teammate and uh yeah he he saw the court beautifully i I think is one of the best passers in the league still and can't wait till he gets back out there and uh you know reminds people um exactly who he is so he almost has a photogenic memory if you will oh yeah yeah i mean he uh yeah, he sees the game very much, you know, like a coach and, and sees things happen way before anybody else does. You know, there'd always be kind of passes that he would make that, that even coaches like watching in the film session would say, how in the world did he see that? You know, he, he sees things two, three steps ahead. And, and then, yeah, on top of that, like I said, he could really remember things, you know, exactly what happened in a game from six months ago. He remembers, you know, every single player, every single tendency. Um, so yeah, he's, he's kind of savant type mind. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously phenomenally talented as well. Uh, I watched your video on, uh, Zach Levine. Um, you don't seem to be as high on his game as others. Obviously he's highly talented. I actually had him as, I thought he'd be most improved player this year. I don't think he's going to win the award, but I think he's a very talented player who gets his shot off effortlessly. What adjustments would you like to see Zach make to his game? with it it's it's really just about the mentality um you know i I think uh i I agree with you he is phenomenally talented and it's funny because you know earlier in his career even as recently as last year probably i was one of the guys who was kind of defending him from you know the analytics crowd has never been super high on him a lot of his plus minus numbers and that those sorts of things have never been great but but you know you you see his scoring talent you see his shooting percentages, how much he's worked on his offensive game. And, and, you know, you just see obviously the huge potential there. Um, but you know, the video that I, I did against the Pacers looking at his game. I mean, I just see a guy that's way too focused right now on his, his own scoring, his own offense and, and didn't really, um, you know, wasn't in the right spots defensively, wasn't focused and locked in basically all just the, the type of winning basketball plays, uh, you know, just weren't things that he, that he was making, um, you know, and, and when you look at just the story of the Bulls season, I mean, again, it's been disappointing. He's, you know, supposed to be the best player on the team and, uh, you know, he's scoring for sure, but, you know, he's averaging four assists, three turnovers a game. His defense has, I think, mostly been pretty atrocious. And that's just not, uh, you know, if you want to be a max player, if you want to be a real superstar in the league, you have to be a star on both ends every single night. And to take it back to John for a second, I, Honestly, Zach reminds me a little bit of of early career uh, John Wall. You know, really, you know, my first couple of years 
with John in DC, there were kind of those same questions about him. Like, is he a winner? Is he going to play defense? Does he, does he care enough about, uh, about winning? Um, and, and to John's credit, he really, he had some good vets around him that, that kind of helped him figure it out. And, and he, you know, he eventually got it and had some great years, some great playoff seasons. Um, you know, Zach has, has yet to kind of make that switch and, and lead a team to the playoffs. And, yeah, I think the onus is really on him to, to understand that, you know, it, it's not about stats. It's not about scoring 30 points a game. It's about doing whatever it takes to win. And, and once he does that, I, I think, you know, everything, uh, the rest will come with it. The accolades will come and all that. But I, I think he does need to kind of fix the mindset and, and realize that, you know, his, his team needs him to, to dominate on both ends, like I said. So since you see the comparisons with John, is it fair to say that Zach has a very high ceiling? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's he's one of the most, you know, if not the most athletic player in the league. Right. You know, on top of it, you know, like you said, like I said, he's he's improved his jumper phenomenally. I, you know, I, Drew Hanlon, I know, does a great job working uh, with guys, especially on his offensive yeah. game. I mean, he, he's got every, every single An amazing tool. first step. Um, An amazing first step. Yeah. yeah, amazing first yeah. step. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, defense is, to me, honestly, something that you basically – is just about effort and positioning. And, you know, if you can lock in mentally and, and play unbelievably hard. I, I keep referencing John, but, like, it, it's true. I mean, we, we'd have some games where John wouldn't be locked in and he'd, you know, look like the worst defender in the league. But when he decided right. to, to turn it on and really commit on that end, he could be phenomenal there. Um, so, you know, it's just really about consistent effort. You mentioned the an- analytic crowd, and actually earlier in the season, the Bulls analytic department wanted Zach to limit his mid-range jump shot attempts. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> there's been a couple interesting things out of Chicago. I saw something similar came out about Kobe White uh, today. Yeah, I, I don't really love it. I mean, I understand – you know, generally speaking, obviously the the three is a more efficient shot, and a you know a thirty five percent three is better than a forty five percent two, and all that. I mean, I, the math makes sense, but you know, I, I think if you're going to be a guy like Zach Levine, who's you know has to be a lead scorer on a team, you know, you look at Jimmy Butler, uh, Kawhi, uh, DeRozan, any of the guys that kind of carry that role. I mean, they they have to be able to score from from all three levels, and I think when you know, when you can't do that, unless you're, you're Harden, who's been able to, you know, have the sidestep and step back three is at an incredible level. Then, you know, most of the top scorers, like I said, still at least need it as a solution. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't really love the idea of uh, kind of taking a whole part of a, especially the way teams are playing pick and roll defense today. The big is all the way back under the basket, basically. And the, yeah. the elbow jumper is pretty much wide open. And, you know, I think you have to be able to, prove you can make that and then once you do it'll it'll open up um you know three pointers when help defense comes in it'll open up you know the role man um so yeah i I don't really agree with with that aspect of uh you know the analytics well i agree with you kd actually agrees with you he he said uh he tweeted shoot him zach but um let's shift to this there's been talk of removing the corner three uh personally i don't think it would be great for spacing but what effect would that have on the game if that were to happen yeah, I've uh, you know I've seen a couple of references to that. I've never actually got around any of what exactly the the proposal is or, or how you would do that. But um, yeah, I mean, I obviously it would have a an incredible pretty every NBA team's offense right now just always has both corners filled. You know, in, in transition, you're always running to the corners. If, if you're not in the corners, you're you're drifting to the corner. Um, so yeah, I mean that's 
layups and free throws, you know, that's pretty much the, the most efficient shot in basketball, the, the highest percentage three, because, you know, it's, it's a little bit closer. It's, uh, you know, guys can obviously be specialists and just kind of learn to make that shot. Um, so, yeah, I think it would obviously change the game drastically. And, um, you know, maybe we do get to a point where, where the analytics and the Mori ball stuff is so extreme that fans are kind of bored by, you know, the, the monotony of the game and how every team is sort of trying to play the same way. Um, but I, I can't really see, at least in the near future, um, anything that kind of drastic happening. Right. The NBA is a copycat league, as you know, Brian. But what teams do things a little bit differently than everybody else? Uh, maybe a team that just has distinct systems, actions, or sets. Is there a team that separates themselves from the rest of the league when it comes to their offense? Yeah, I'd, I'd say, uh, you know, this season, I think the, the Pacers are, are the first team that kind of comes to mind when, when you think, you know, everybody else is zigging, they're kind of zagging. Um, you know, I think they're, uh, at least when I studied them and kind of I did a deep dive video on them too, they were one of the top two, I think, teams in the league in mid-range jumpers. And they were, they really have an offense kind of built around uh, Brogdon and Lamb and Warren and, um, you know, Sabonis, all those guys taking a ton of mid-range jumpers. And, um, you know, it's, it's been really effective for them. I think it's kind of just, you know, they, they don't really have a ton of three point shooting. They, you know, they, they run simple, a simple offense, a lot of high pick and roll. And kind of like I talked about that mid range jumper is, is wide open. And so, you know, I think McMillan realized he has guys that can, they can hit that shot at a high level. And, you know, if they can do that and, and play a little defense and, you know, mix in some uh, Sabonis's phenomenal passing and all the other stuff they got. Um, you know, they could be a pretty good team. So I've really enjoyed watching them. I mean, I you know the uh, the Warriors. It's funny we're we're kind of the team that kind of started this whole revolution and everybody tried to copy. But um, you know, if you look at them like last season, uh, Clay obviously KD was taking a ton of mid range, even Steph. Um, you know, so I think there's still some teams that, that do it pretty unique. You know, I, I love Kerr's system. Obviously, doesn't look as good <laughs> this season when you've got a bunch of uh, 19-year-olds playing in it. But, uh, you know, they'll be back. And, uh, Quint, you know, Quinn Snyder's offense is phenomenal. Brad Stevens in Boston. I, I think there's a, a lot of tremendous offensive coaches and, and really good stuff um, being run around the league. It's Sorry. funny to see how much closer the offense starts now with the Warriors since everybody's gone, you know. It's like they're like inch up to the three-point line. The offense used to start way back at like 35 feet. Oh, yeah. It's like a totally different <laughs> yeah. team. Not only personnel, but stylistically, you know. Right. When, when you don't have to guard a, a certain guy at, at 45 feet anymore, it's, it's a little bit different. But, yeah, it's just funny to me to see, uh, you know, you've got some Warriors fans bashing Kerr. And, oh, my and God. Saying that this proves that his he doesn't adapt and his system doesn't work anymore. And it, it's just such a joke. I mean, the guy – you know, for my money, I, I think it was, you know, the most beautiful offense probably ever to watch, um, you know, and obviously it's contingent on having Draymond and, and some shooters flying off screens and, and some elite talent. But, you know, they just uh, they, they flew around off those screens, like I said, and just played, you know, they had a target on their back every single night, still move the ball nonstop, still just nonstop motion, phenomenal passing. I mean, I, I think uh yeah, I think he designed a, a heck of a system. And, you know, once they got Steph and Clay back, I, I think they'll be uh, pretty close to that. Let's shift to Zion. Getting a chance to watch Zion preseason, uh, he looked dominant. How do you feel his game would translate to the regular season or even postseason basketball? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, uh, I think he certainly had some, some really good flashes in, in the preseason. But, um, 
you know, I, I think he, he's a guy that's going to kind of put up, I think he'll definitely put up massive numbers from the start, uh, at least in the regular season. But, you know, kind of like young Giannis and even Giannis, like the, the past few years, I, I think he's a guy who, you know, once the game slows down a little bit more and becomes kind of more obviously half court oriented in the playoffs, um, you know, the lack of a jumper will stick out a little bit more. Um, you know, you're not going to be able to bully your way to the basket every single time. Um, you know, obviously he's a, he's a physical specimen. He's athletic as hell. He's, he's big as hell. You know, he'll, he'll find a way to still put up 20 and 10. I think, you know, a ton of nights relatively easily. Um, you know, I, I think the question is just going to be kind of how, how that jumper comes along if he's able to kind of develop that right hand even more to to be a little bit less of a left-hand dominant player um but you know i do think his his ceilings definitely is as high as just about anybody in the yeah, league comparing him to, to Giannis, i'd say his vision is a little bit better than Giannis, wouldn't you say yeah maybe, maybe at this age i mean it, you know it's it's fun Giannis was you know kind of playing point forward uh overseas and then i you know i remember hearing books that they would uh kind of just like take him to, to pick up game first or second year player and just have him play point guard the entire time. And I, I think that really, really helped, um, you know, his floor vision and just, you know, they, they taught him, you know, Jason Kidd gets crushed too, but I, Jason Kidd, I think deserves a lot of credit for, for having the vision that nobody else really had to, to play Giannis kind of as a, as a point guard, um, you know, and I, yeah, I think that helped him a ton. And so, yeah, we'll see if, if Zion, you know, it's hard playing for a team, especially like the Pelicans. It's, you know, really trying to stay in the in the playoff hunt. You can't really experiment all that much. But I hope he gets opportunities, especially as a as a young player in the league, to, to get to handle the ball a little bit more and, you know, uh, work on that part of his game. Right. All right. So you have the chance to watch a lot of NBA video. Obviously, it's a heavy three-point shooting era. Um, do you feel this will continue? And do you see a trend bubbling up for the future going into the new decade? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, threes keep skyrocketing every year, obviously. I think we're, I think we'll get close to a point where it might kind of peak and we might see a little bit of, you know, a regression back to, uh, you know, kind of like I talked about how open the mid range is. I, I think that there was a great video of, of Eric Spolstra, um, this off season at a coaching clinic that maybe I could send to you if you haven't seen, but he, he just talked about how, uh, you know, since, like I said, teams are playing pick and rolls like that in, in that kind of drop style, zoning it up all the way under the basket that the mid range jumper is wide open. And so Spoh's point was, you know, as that shot is, is so available, the players that can, that can make that shot are going to become more in demand. And, you know, that's kind of like what you see with the Pacers and how they've had success with, with Lamb and Warren and Brogdon and those guys being able to make that shot. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think we'll still see a lot of threes, but I, I do bristle with, you know, anybody that says mid-range is dead or, or post-ups are dead. You know, there, there's more than one way to, to skin a cat. You know, Jokic still post up, posts up a ton. Um, you know, obviously Embiid, uh, a lot of smalls post a ton, whether it be the Rosen, Kawhi, uh, you know, KD, if you consider him a small, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I think there's, you still can create a lot of threes by, by exploiting mismatches in the post. Um, you know, it, it's kind of just, again, just a weapon. I think you, you have to have, and when, you know, you see teams in the playoffs like uh, Houston or, or Utah with 
uh, Gobert and Capella, who you know who can't really score against a six footer on a on a switch in the post. Um, you know, I think it just makes you a little bit easier to guard. Um, so I, I hope coaches and, and people out there continue to to develop you know those skill sets. Even though you know there's some people saying it's out of the game, I, I think you know if if you're a guy like I said, like Jokic, who can uh, you know uh, dominate six footers and just put them under the basket and score every single time against the switch. I think it just makes you that much more uh, dangerous to guard um, and is a really valuable skill. Set. Yeah. I think just being able to score on three levels is so important. It just keeps the defense honest for any player. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, you know, I've, I've kind of said, if you look at even the guys like, uh, you know, Lou Williams, JJ Bray in the past, I mean, guys that were, Jamal Crawford, you know, the guys that are the, the scorers in the league, the top bench scorers, whatever they are, just have that part of their game too. And so, yeah, you know, it, it sounds obvious and, and the analytics people always reply, well, yeah, of course we want the, the best players in the league uh, taking mid-range shots. But, you know, Kawhi didn't have that in his game for the first three or four years in his career. He, he, and, you know, uh, a lot of organizations wouldn't have even encouraged him to develop it. They would have just said, okay, you're a specialist, you're a three-point shooter, you're a defender, and that's kind of it. But, you know, he, he worked on it relentlessly, and now he's obviously one of the best uh, best at it ever. Um, you know, so I think, again, it just speaks to the importance of, of rounding out your game and, and working on absolutely everything. Uh, you know, especially if you want to be one of the elite players in the league. Yeah, speaking of Kawhi's uh, jump shot in his mid-range game, his shot is so flat yet so accurate. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, – I mean, yeah, I, I don't really understand how it goes in as much as <laughs> right. it does, but he's uh, he's mastered his craft. And, uh, yeah, I, I just – I mean, he's, he's one of my favorite players, obviously, just because, you know, I think watching him you just see – not just the uh, incredible talent, but you see how maniacal he is about, uh, you know, his preparation and, and just always being in the right spots. And, and, you know, he thinks the game so well. And he's kind of a silent assassin, too, a little bit like how Duncan played. You know, he's not going to say that much during the game, but he'll right. just rip your heart out. Um, so. For sure. For sure. Brian, um, let us know where we could find you on social media or anywhere else. Yeah, pretty much everywhere at uh, Scout with Brian. Um, Brian's with a Y, scoutwithbrian.com, uh, YouTube, Twitter, anywhere you type Scout with B-R-Y-A-N, um, you'll find all my stuff. Great. Brian, thanks for being here. You're always welcome back on the show. Talk soon. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Appreciate it. Anytime. Thank you for listening to Combos Court and big shouts to Brian for joining in. We appreciate you. If you listen to this episode in its entirety, let me know how you feel about it right in the comments section of your Apple Podcast app. If you'd like to support the podcast, check out the Combos Court Patreon page. I'll put a link in the description for that. Share this episode with a friend via social media or word of mouth. Be on the lookout for episode one, three, two. Combo out.